Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Good morning. Good morning, New Life. For those of you guys who don't know me, my name is CJ. I work for Youth for Christ and our juvenile justice ministry. And it is so good to be with you guys. Are you guys excited to be here? Are you guys awake? All right. Uh, Also, if you don't know me, I'm a very interactive speaker. I love hearing feedback from you guys. I love hearing just kind of that that give me the yes and amens. And if I ask a question, you guys can respond, do all that good stuff. All right. So we are in, uh, thank you, we are in our series in Mark. And last week, Pastor Brian Talked, asked the question, he said, what is a disciple? And the answer is simply a follower of Jesus. And so we've been, throughout this series, also been showing this diagram of a triangle, which is this idea that we get into God's word and we don't immediately go into the works because we're missing a huge part about the Christian life. But we, in fact, go down and we understand what does it mean to live the way that Jesus lived? What does it mean to build relationships? What does it mean to have that one-on-one authentic Christ-sharing relationship with Jesus and then with others? And then through that relationship, then that spurs on the works. And so this really symbolizes and it's a good picture of what the Christian life is like. Pastor Brian also talked about it shared that we that Jesus pursued the disciples just as we are called to pursue others. And that following Jesus really hits at the very core of who we are as believers. That we are to continue to learn and grow in this faith walk. And this morning, I want to kind of continue that conversation as we look at an account in Scripture that I think is hopefully will impact you guys and change you guys, that when you walk out these doors, that you guys will not be the same if you allow the Father to speak to your hearts. So before I dive in, I want to pray, and then we'll jump in today's scripture. God, thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you for new life. I thank you for the work that you are doing through them. Father, I pray that through this church that you would allow them to be used to to make a kingdom impact. Father, I pray that you would uh, use your believers to impact the kingdom. Father, I pray that you would use your believers to impact Morton and Washington and the Peoria area. Father, that, that the people who would encounter new lifers would not be the same people because they love Jesus and they pointed them to you. Father, this morning, I pray that we would be able to see you in a way that we can understand. God, that we would recognize you and hear your voice in a way that would forever change who we are. God, that we would not be okay just being the same old standard Jesus-following Christian, but that we would be active in our faith. God, we love you, and we commit this morning to you and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, my kids got this book. And it's a really cool book. It's a, as you flip through the pages, you, you get one storyline, but there's something that's missing out of it. 
and it takes a flashlight that you shine behind the page, and when you do that, there's like an image or an animal or some sort of word that shows up, and it's really cool, and you get the fuller picture of what this page is. And some of you guys may have browsed around on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, and you, you watch these videos where maybe you see the word like yes, and then as the camera moves, it shows a different word, and you get a different perspective about it. All right, show of hands, how many of you guys are familiar with Magic Eye? You guys remember those? I spent a lot of days grounded in my room, and in order to entertain myself, I would use the Magic Eye. So I, I pulled one up, and this one hopefully is an easy one. Maybe you guys can do it, maybe you guys can't. But really, those two lines, kind of the upper and top line, if you look at it the right way, it, the middle line kind of that looks like it's back set pops out and it becomes like a 3D image. Any of you guys get it? See it? It works. I tested it out. <laughs> it, takes, it takes a kind of a special lens. So why do I bring this up? What in the world does this have to do with our scripture today? Well, I want us to, as we engage with today's text, we're going to read through it three different times. And as we read it, I would love for you guys to, to read it in three different perspectives. So the first one and the first way that we're going to read through this text is I want you guys to tune your ears in to listen for how is Jesus is expressed as Lord. How is Jesus and his lordship show up in scripture? So I want to set up the, the, the scene for you guys. So Jesus was in a different area. He just healed a leper and the news started to spread. Okay, and not because, just because of people who were there, but Jesus heals this leper who is an outcast, who's out and he's not allowed in society because they had to segregate him away. And Jesus heals him. And after this healing, Jesus gives him a stern warning. He's like, do not tell anybody, but immediately go to the temple, make yourself right with, in the process of the law. So that way you can reintegrate back into the community. And this man is so impacted by God that he doesn't do that. He's clean. He's whole. He is 100% okay. So he goes out and he starts to declare to everybody, this man healed me. This man gave me back my life. This man is a lifesaver. And so it started to get the attention of all the people within the area. And it, Scripture says that he couldn't even enter into a town because the crowd was so big. That's how, that's how big Jesus was getting. He was, his, he was in the news. Yeah, no? Okay. <laughs> all right, come on, keep tracking with me. All right, so he's getting really big. All right, so we pick up in this text today and... We see that he's still being followed. So he enters into Capernaum after some days, and it was reported that he was at a home. So many people gathered together, and there was no more room, not even in the doorway. He was speaking the message to them. Okay, so imagine, if you will, if this room was completely filled with people who wanted to hear Jesus. And not only that, not only were all the seats filled, but the whole balcony was filled. All the rooms were filled with people. People were on the stairs and in the doorway and on the stairs and sitting on the floor. 
It was that crowded. And there were people who were trying to get in just so they could even hear or see this miracle worker. That's how many people were there, if you can imagine that. So then they brought to him a paralytic carried by four men. Since they were not able to bring Jesus because of the crowds, they removed the roof. So they went up some stairs to the top of the building and removed the roof. And when they had broken through, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. And seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Sons, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does he speak like this? That's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus understood in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Immediately, he got up, picked up his mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So there were two types of people there. They were just kind of your average Joes, just the, the people that were there, the followers, the people that wanted to hear about this man called Jesus, maybe some higher educated people. But then on the other hand, you had these people called scribes, and these guys were the experts in the law. They spent their days, their nights, most of their time studying scripture, and they were they were looking at the, t- the ancient scrolls and the, the text. Well, they were the newer scrolls at the time. They were looking at, <laughs> okay, thank you. They were looking at the scrolls and looking at this text and understanding the law. They were the experts in the law. And how dare this man, Jesus, come walking in and, and have the goal to say, your sins are forgiven. How dare he? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. So this morning, what is your heart posture? Do you recognize that Jesus is Lord, that he in fact is God, that he has the ability to forgive sins? Because many of us, we believe this and we're like, okay, here is my sin, Jesus. I commit it to you. I'm going to give it to you. But we don't really hand it over. We live in the guilt and the shame of sin. We live in this constant state of, Man, I'm a sinful person, I'm a sinful person, I'm a sinful person, I'm a sinful person. And Jesus has forgiven my sins, but I'm a sinful person. And then we allow the guilt and the shame and all these things that the world tries to press upon us because we live in a sinful world. Yes, we continue to keep on sinning because we are sinful people, but we're redeemed. Amen? Jesus has redeemed us from a life of sin, and he says, just like he said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, and if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, then in fact our sins are forgiven, and we live in a life of freedom. And this life of freedom then spurs on this faith where we say, man, this man is God. 
This Jesus is king, he is Lord, and because he's king and Lord, I'm going to pursue after him with all of my heart. And that's where we encounter faith, you guys. That faith spurs us on. That moves us from the word to the way, where we start to understand the text and, and, and really put a body to who Jesus is. He brings about complete healing and restoration. And so I live in this faith. So we're going to read this text again, and, and we're going to set aside that Jesus is Lord, and we're going to put on a lens of, when I read this text, how do I see faith? Where do I see my own faith? So when Jesus entered Capernaum again after some days, he reported that he was at, he was at a home. So many people gathered together, and there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the message to them. And he came to him, bringing a paralytic, carried by four men. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above where he was. And when they had broken through, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith... Jesus told the paralytic, sons, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus understood in his spirit what they were thinking, like that they were thinking like this and within themselves and said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, pick up your mat and go home. Immediately, he got up, picked up his mat, and went on in front of everyone. As a result, they were astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. God calls us to move to an active faith. I don't know about you guys. I don't really fully understand the situation or the context that these four men were in. But I, and I know you guys have read this, or most of you guys have read this text before. But think about this. How much faith was in those four men that they were willing to pick up their friend, who is pretty much dead weight, pick him up and carry him around? It's like four of you guys carrying around 150, maybe 200, 300-pound man around the town of Morton. That would get very tiring. It'd be very, and, and we have nice weather here. So think about over in the desert where it's hot, the sun is being down. I hate the heat. I don't know if that would be me. But not only were they carrying their friend, but then they carried him up the stairs because they got to this building and they knew in their hearts that this man, Jesus, had the possibility of healing their friend. And so they carried him up to the roof and they dug a hole and they lowered him down because of a possibility that Jesus might heal their friend. Because back in, that day, in those days, they didn't have the modern technology. They didn't have doctors that were ready, readily available to, to come alongside and heal. And so they went up, and I don't know if it was one of the men's houses. I don't know if it was somebody else's houses. But if it was my house, and I was carrying a friend, and Jesus was at my house, I don't know if I would tear apart my own roof to get my friend down to see Jesus. 
I'm like, it's going to rain someday, and I don't want it to rain on me. If it was somebody else's house, I mean, imagine that. Oh, who cares whose house this is? We're going to tear apart the roof and lower our friend because we know that Jesus is going to heal him. There is a great act of faith that is expressed through these four men. And because of what they believed and because of the rumors and all these things that they heard, they were bringing their friend, not because they were expecting their friend to get their sin, his sins forgiven, but more than likely they were like, oh man, this is our opportunity to get him healed. And so they brought him, they dropped him, and Jesus heals the paralytic of his sins. Wait, that's not what we brought him for. Or is it? Because back in those days, there was a connection between sin and physical ailments. And we read in the text a lot of times that, that if somebody was like paralyzed or some sort of physical ailment was going on, the, the upper crusties, the holy people, would be like, oh, they must have done something wrong. They got a lot of sin in their life. That's why they're like that. And then Jesus, in order to make things right, to set the record straight, says, so that you know that I have authority over sin. I'm not only going to heal this man of his sins, but I'm going to physically heal him to cross that line between the, those two differences. Because I'm in the business of restoration. I'm in the business of, of, of bringing about a spiritual restoration that you guys have tied to a physical brokenness. So not only am I going to heal the physical, but I'm also going to heal the spiritual. I'm going to heal the spiritual and I'm going to heal the physical so that you guys know that I have authority. This is Jesus speaking, that I have authority here on earth. So this morning, I want to ask you guys, where is your faith? Do you believe this man, Jesus, came to forgive sins? And if so, how is that driving your faith in reaching the community, to reaching the people around you? I got three questions I want to ask you guys, and I'm going to challenge you guys with this for this week. What are some ways that you're practicing out your faith more than just going to church, reading your Bible, going to small group? What are those ways? Because, don't get me wrong, those things are not bad whatsoever. Those things are all great. It's good to be in fellowship. It's good to grow. It's good to learn. It's good to be in these things. But what are you doing outside of those things to exhibit your faith? What areas of your life are you truly trusting in Jesus? When I talk with my youth, I like to use this example. I, I'll grab whatever object is closest to me and I'll say, this is you. This is your problem or the issue that you're trying to trust Jesus with. And then I put them in the place of Jesus and I say, okay, here. Here's my my stuff. Here's the thing that I want to trust you with. But then I still hold on to it. And I don't let go. And, I, and they're like tugging and pulling and tugging and pulling. And I feel like there's a part of us that, that we say we trust God. We say that we have faith. We say that we're willing to go to great lengths for him. But when we're really tested, when we're really put to those paces, we still hold on to those things. Or we take it back and we're saying, no, not today, Jesus. And so, again, I want to challenge you guys. Give that to God 
and let him deal with it. That's trust. How are you expressing your faith to impact others outside your normal circles of influence? A while back ago, I talked about, I gave, gave a message here about we sit in this comfort zone. And I'm going to just stay in my little comfort zone. I'm not going to go anywhere. I don't want to go outside of my normal serving area. I don't really want to do extra stuff because this is comfortable for me. I don't want to do any weird extra serving or I don't want to do other things because that's, that's not my zone or that's not my, my skill set or whatever it might be. And I challenged us to, to move away from the, our comfort zone and think of them as circles of influence because circles of influence says, I'm going to think outwardly. And when I think outwardly, that means I have to impact other people and I don't get to think about me because comfort zone is about you Circles of influence influences others. Are you tracking with me? Are you guys sleeping? <laughs> so if I'm going to influence others, if I'm going to, to express this faith out, if I'm going to go to great acts of faith as the four men did, then it, I'm, I'm called to some sort of action. And this is so that we're going to read this text one more time. And I want you to... to to put this lens of what is my call to action? What is God calling me to do? All right, when he entered Capernaum a third time after some days. No, nobody got it? He only entered Capernaum once. I'm reading the text three times. All right, follow along. All right, he entered the Capernaum again, and after some, some days he was reported that he was at home. At a home. Man, I've read this three times. I think you ought to get this. So many people gathered together because there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the message to them. And they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Since, there was not, since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, and they removed the roof above where he was and they had, where they had broken through, they lowered the man on which the paralytic was laying, on the mat, excuse me, on which the paralytic was laying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, sons, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away, Jesus understood in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Immediately, he got up, picked up the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So who are you in this text? Are you an onlooker? Are you somebody that just kind of comes to church and is just another person in the crowd? Somebody that's just a consumer, just gonna gonna take things in? Are you one of the four friends that has incredible faith 
It has so much faith and belief in this man called Jesus that you're willing to move heaven and earth to bring your friends, to bring your coworkers, to bring your schoolmates, to bring those around you to Jesus to make an introduction and to walk with them, to say, this is what it means to be a Christ follower. Discipleship. Maybe you're one of the scribes. Maybe you're sitting here being critical of me right now, which is fine. I'm okay with that. But maybe you look at what's going on at church and you're like, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Or, well, I don't like this. Or, well, I don't like the worship. Or, well, I don't like the kids program. Or, I don't like it. And you can pick and, and choose. Or maybe you might be sitting there and be like, well, you know, Scripture says this and this. And, you know, and, and start to be your, your immediate go-to is combative or, or disagreeable. That's what the scribes did. Are you a scribe? Are you somebody that, that's, that's just being critical all the time, that's not willing to, to actually move the kingdom of God forward? Or maybe you might find yourself in a place where you need to get back into a relationship with Jesus, where you've had so much going on. Maybe you've been one of the faithful ones that are serving and giving and giving and giving and you have forgotten that your life of giving and serving comes from and needs to come from a life of overflow. And so you need to get yourself to a place where you are sitting at the feet of Jesus and you're worshiping. And you just recognize God saying, God, you are holy. God, you are awesome. God, you are the creator, the provider of everything. To God be the glory. That's, that's the worship aspect. And you don't miss the fact that God is moving among you right now. New life, God is moving among you. And when we recognize that, when we see that among fellow believers, then we're called to move. And that calls us to worship. Not only worship and sing with our arms up, but it calls us to worship and sing through service, through giving, all these things. And I'm sure that one of us, we're, we're not all this way. We're not all just the crowd or a bystander or the four men or the scribes. We're not all those things, but in a small part, you guys, and I'm guilty of this too, I'm a scribe, I'm an onlooker. At times, I can be one of the four friends. We're always a hybrid of the, one of these characters. And I'm challenging you guys to go here don't just let these be words in your ears, but let them affect your heart so that way when you leave these doors, you are actively engaged in your faith, that you're worshiping God, that you're serving. So there, there are three ways that I want to challenge you guys as we leave here today. I want to ask you guys to give of your time, your resources, and your money. This is your call to action, you guys. Time, resources, and money. Your time. Time is among the most valuable things that we have. Well, I don't have the time. 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 I'd love to, but I don't have the time. That's our heart attitude a lot of time. And so as a Jesus follower, if I am moved in my faith, I am going to give up my time. Guess what? I can give up some Netflix time to go serve in the youth. I can give up, a, getting, uh, I can give up 
sleeping in on a Sunday morning so I can help serve in the Kids Life program. I can give up a little bit of time during the week to train on how to be used on the soundboard or how to, to the best greet people. I can give up some time to, to see what new life needs me to do in order so that new life as a church can make waves in the kingdom of God. Amen? Give up your time. Serve. The next one is resources. You guys, most Americans have so much stuff. America is known for having a house and a storage facility. We have a house and a bunch of stuff in our basement that's not being used. We have a house, a bunch of stuff in our garage that's not being used. And I'm guilty of this. I get something new, and maybe a friend's like, hey, can I borrow this? And I'm like, the, the internal part of me is like, ugh. But it's new. You're going to ruin it. You're going to wreck it. You don't know how to use it. But as a Jesus follower, let me, let me propose something to you. My neighbor comes over and he's like, hey, man, can I use your mower? Mine's broken down. I'm like, sure. Here's my mower. By the way, I'll fill it up with gas. By the way, when you're done, I'd love to have dinner with you and your family. By the way, I would love for you guys to come to church I go to New Life. It's a great church full of community and other people who want to love on you. By the way, I want to get you involved in a Bible study or a small group, or I want to do life with you on a regular basis. And by the way, there's just, it's all driven by this man, Jesus, who calls me to love others just as much as I love God. That would be moving the kingdom forward just by giving up some of your resources and allowing yourself to go outside your comfort zone a little bit to have conversations and to dialogue. And lastly, because I'm a guest speaker, I'm going to say this one. Give up your money. I hate to say it, but in today's world, it requires money and resources to get things moving in today's world. The church could not function without your support. Missions could not function without your support. The kingdom of God in this world would still happen but it probably is not as effective without your support. New Life has a lot of great plans to reach the community, to, to internally grow, and to become to strengthen itself. But it's going to require your support. New Life supports missionaries who are out in the field doing the missional work. That's not on the church. We are the church, the church body, the big C. God's relying on us to give up our resources and our money so that way we can support others who can't, who's doing the work. Because many of us maybe aren't called to go do local, regional, or international missions, but we want to, and we can by giving to those who God is called to be in that arena. Amen? So those are, that's your call to action, you guys. Give up your time, your resources, and your money. There are four friends who love their friends so much that they were willing to move heaven and earth and a roof to bring their friend before Jesus. I'm going to challenge you guys to do the same. Let's pray. God, you are holy. You are awesome. You are wonderful. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. 
God, I look forward to the day where we can sing this forever and ever to you. Father, I pray that you would move amongst your people this week, this month, this year, and the years to come. Father, I pray a blessing over new life. Father, I know you're not done with new life, and I ask that you would use this church in a mighty way for your kingdom and your glory. Amen.